Let me guess, you signed up for every free lead magnet and binged on every marketing YouTube video and thought, what am I missing? Why isn't my business exploding like that? Well, I can tell you, you're not alone. Whether you're just getting started or have an established business, entrepreneurship can be really lonely, but it doesn't have to be. Overcoming your fear of launching or building your personal brand or figuring out how to scale, it shouldn't be holding you back. It should be empowering you. On this podcast, we're going to deep dive into the mechanics of what it takes to build your brand, make your mark, and stake your claim in the digital marketing space. I'll be chatting with people from all walks of life and stages in their careers. I will be getting inspiration from real experts who will share their actual strategies and techniques to grow loyal and raving followings and sell more stuff. This is entrepreneurship from people who are already there making it happen. My name is Jeff Mendelson. Join me and welcome to the One Big Tip Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today I'm really pleased to have with me Mike Sheshniak on the line. He is the CEO and a head coach at The Results Engine. The Results Engine is a high-performance coaching and consulting company serving small business owners, entrepreneurs, and sales professionals. They essentially help them scale production and skyrocket results without working the crazy hours. Jeez, I, I, do you have a cure for the crazy hours I worked this weekend? That I'll is see amazing. what I could do. <laughs> Mike, welcome to the show. Jeff, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. Tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get to becoming a high-performance coach? And what is the results engine all about? Yeah, so I, I love this question because if you look at my LinkedIn profile, it's like this scatter plot of ridiculousness, right? Like my life revolved around where I could play soccer in college. That's where we started. Dumb lucked my way into a computer engineering degree. Then I went down to Wall Street and I spent six years in corporate America. And the reason I ended up in engineering, to, to backtrack a second, is my dream as a kid was I wanted to make a lot of money, retire young, and open a pit bull rescue foundation. That was all I cared about. And when I had a conversation with my guidance counselor, as I was looking through the list of schools that would be at a college showcase for a soccer tournament, he said, Hey, you're good at math and sciences, look at engineering. So fast forward, we end up down in Wall Street writing code. And I uh, spent six years in corporate America. And the trajectory is very linear. Every year, big pay raise, big promotion, whatever. Like, had the nice stuff that I thought I wanted luxury apartment, six figure salary, senior title, like these vanity metrics. And uh, for me, I always used engineering as a vehicle to fund my entrepreneurial endeavors. So I started three three companies while I was in corporate. First two failed miserably, but I learned a ton, met some amazing people, and built some really cool skill sets. And despite me resisting it for many years, I ended up in the coaching and consulting space. You know, a lot of people really close to me were like, Hey, Mike, you could help a lot of people. But at the time, Instagram was kind of big, not as big as it is now. But back then, I just saw like the words life coach and like 17 year olds Instagram bios. I'm like, what? Like, I, I didn't want to be associated yeah, exactly. with it. Right? What part of life? What part of life are you actually coaching about? Right? Yeah, like I, I just didn't get it. Right. Because I came from the athletic world where coaches like you had the answers right and as you get into like the more quote-unquote adult or like business world when you have the answers and you're sharing the answers that's more consulting right and that's why our company at the results engine kind of falls under both categories but in the coaching world your job isn't to provide answers or solutions it's to navigate conversations in an effective way in service of your client to facilitate breakthrough and i didn't get that so i had this stigma but yeah, fast forward, I met Brennan Burchard, the world's leading high performance coach at an event down in Ohio. And uh, 
literally I, I wrote my first program, Fear Hacking Academy, on the flight home from that event, which was like an hour and a half flight. <laughs> right. And and that's when I jumped in, built that company as a side hustle for a year and a half while still in corporate and uh, kind of plotting the leave. And then eventually I took the leap and have been running that business ever since. You know, it's interesting. You and I have a similar trajectory where I was a, cor- uh, you know, in corporate for a long time and I didn't have this, you know, I was just never really fulfilled. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you when you first, uh, like when you first left, was it exhilarating? Was it scary AF or like, like, what was it like for you when you really, when you really let go of, you know, that, that biweekly paycheck and the 401k and, and yeah. health benefits and all that? At first, it was like extremely exhilarating, right? Like I had been at my last company for over five years and, you know, I loved the people I worked with, but like I wasn't solving the world's biggest problems, right? Like I was working for a big global luxury e-commerce company. So I was basically helping wealthy people spend money more seamlessly on the internet. Like it wasn't really helping me sleep at night, you know, but I was solving cool problems. I was getting paid really well and I was working with amazing people. So I like that kind of kept me around longer than I expected. But to be honest, I started to, I I was like fairly miserable the last like year or so because I was starting to be like out of integrity for many reasons. I felt like I was out of alignment with the company's values and how things were going. Lots of like corporate restructurings and layoffs, uh, many of which affected some of my really longtime friends and colleagues. And I just, I, I felt like something was missing, you know, and I felt like I wasn't showing up as powerfully as I would want, which led to more being out of integrity, right? Like I was showing up at work and waiting for five o'clock to hit so I could dip and go work on what I was really excited about, which was my business. But to your question about leaving, uh, I think because of that, because it was so prolonged and I wanted to for so long, I never thought I would last five years, right? Because from almost the beginning, I knew I was, it was a means to an end. I was going to leave and start something on my own. So By the time I finally left, it was like a dream come true. Like with this business in particular, I'd been working towards for a year and a half, but it was something that I had really been envisioning for over four years. So it was kind of uh, of like this culmination of uh, everything kind of coming to life in a cool way. Obviously that changes, you know, two weeks in when that first direct deposit doesn't hit. And then it's like kind of snaps back to reality a little bit, but yeah, extremely exhilarating to start. You know, it's just that freedom that you're working towards. You know, it's it's a really cool feeling. You know, what's interesting for me is that I never really quit. I always got fired, right? So my friends started calling me the Grim Reaper, right? And if you look <laughs> yeah. at my LinkedIn profile today, I should say none of the companies that I have worked for that are on there besides my own exist today in their current form, right? They're just hmm. either gone or completely morphed. And it was always like, why, like, you know, like, why am I doing this? So, so like, you know, I would get fired from this. And at first I was like, I had a baby at home, you know, I had a mortgage, I had a $5 a day coffee habit. And it's like, how are you going to do this? And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'll, 12 years later, I'm still doing it somehow. You know, it's like, I tell people I'm certified yeah. unemployed, certified unemployable at this point. And it's like, wow, you know, like how you can actually, you know, pull that off. You know, when I've seen others who, you know, all of a sudden they say like, oh yeah, I'm consulting, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then like a year later, you see the update on their LinkedIn. Oh yeah, now I'm the director of marketing for X, Y, and Z company. And it's like, thank God I didn't have to go through that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, about your one big tip. And these are actionable tips from a real high performance coach 
that you can uh, that you would be able to implement and use in your day to day, right? So, what I'm really looking for here is not so much the mindset, right? Not so much the you know ask the right questions or you know jump up and down in front of the mirror every morning, you know things like that. Let's talk about your one big tip. What can you share to make people perform at a higher level? Yeah. So this is why I was really drawn to your show, Jeff, because the way I view things, like if it's not actionable, what's the point, right? The, the personal development space gets, you know, flooded with so much mindset stuff and it's really important, but at the end of the day, results that we're striving for comes from action. And, uh, to give some context to this really quickly, and I, I didn't really share this in my story earlier, but a big reason why I entered the coaching space was during that corporate climb, right? When everything was going really, really well on the outside, behind closed doors, I was completely broken, right? This is my early 20s. I was 23, 24 years old when this first started happening. And what people didn't realize is that I was struggling a ton with anxiety and debilitating panic attacks. And at the time, I didn't know anyone that had ever been through anything like that. I didn't know what was going on. I thought there was like a physiological issue. I thought my lungs didn't work. I spent a year and a half going to the doctors, getting my chest x-ray, doing these breathing tests, trying to figure out what was going on in my body. And I didn't know what anxiety was, right? And it took me a year and a half until I finally reverse engineered what was going on. And I share all this because 100% of those attacks that I experienced happened in a moment where I felt guilty for not working. So what does that have to do with what we're talking about here? Well, what I realized as I went deeper is maybe if I you know, was able to work more effectively and show up more powerfully when I was working and then also pair it with a little healthier mindset, well, maybe I might not feel as guilty when I wasn't working, right? And this is- Okay, so that's actually giving it, that, that's actually the grace of giving yourself the time to turn off, to be with yeah. your family, it's a huge, you know, piece. to play Call of Duty, you know, to, uh, you know, all that stuff that, you know, that allows you to, you know, to decompress, right? Mm -hmm. And and that was a huge piece. I didn't have that. Like I was this young 23-year-old dude, like toxic hustle mindset, which served me to an extent, but eventually the toxic part comes in, right? And um, I realized I had zero clue what it meant to actually be productive, Right. And productivity is only a small fraction of the work that we're doing in the results engine and really in the high performance space. But it's the part that got me in there because I say that I always say that it cracked the door open, that it would eventually get kicked through when I met Brendan and, and really dove into the space, right? Because I was coming from the mindset of like, if I wasn't working 47 hours a day, I wasn't being productive enough. You know, a lot of people, you know, crap on like the Gary V videos that, you know, push that, uh, you know, they call it hustle porn, right? You can mm -hmm. actually look it up. You know, someone coined that term, not me though, you know, but it really <laughs> is that, you know, where it's like, you know, and especially if you live in like a big city, you know, if you're in New York city, or you're in San Francisco or you're in this place that everything's so, you know, come on, let's get going. Let's, you know, let's move. We gotta, yeah. you know, we gotta make this happen. And if you're not giving yourself the time to, you know, just to reset yourself a little bit. And that could be just, it could start with a weekend, you know, in a national park close to you, right? Or it could be, you know, like taking a vacation, like a cruise where, you know, at $4 a minute for internet, you're, 
you know, you really do start to limit your, you know, your connectivity. What are some ways that you can use in order to reset that? In, in order to reset that anxiety and to become more productive without without the guilt of feeling like oh my god I'm giving up something else in order to do mm. in order to do what I'm what I'm building here yeah it's a really good question and I think well I'll get to the productivity piece in a second but in terms of giving grace I think it's really important to understand how you work and what fills your cup right like things that are important should get scheduled into your life lives and our lives rather and we shouldn't feel guilty about that as long as it's obviously within reason right like you mentioned gary v let's look at gary v as an example gary v does not miss jets games he doesn't mm-hmm. the guy who works literally 6 a.m to 10 p.m every single day in five minute increments he doesn't miss a jets game Right. And then you could also look at, well, the month of August, I think he primarily takes off with his family. Right. So the guy who for a long time was pinned as like the hustle guy has these pieces that he works into his life because that's what, what's important. Right. And then we work around that to get what's important done. I would just say around what, figure out what's filling your cup and you, only you can find the balance of what's within reason, right? Because at the end of the day, we have to spend the right time on the needle moving activities, which we'll get to in a second. But that doesn't mean that like you completely avoid the stuff that fills your cup, because that's just the easiest way to burn out. So how do you, uh, you know, twist your focus so that you can focus on the productive things, get them done, right? So that you can with a healthy conscience, go, then go and say, okay, that's it. I'm going to the Jets game or I'm just going to sit down and watch Netflix, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever, because, you know, that's also a way of decompressing, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So here's where we'll, where we'll get into the one big tip, right? And like, for me, the reason I didn't understand productivity is because again, it was like 47 hours a day or bust. Like if I wasn't doing that, I didn't want it enough, right? That toxic hustle mindset. What I didn't understand is doing things doesn't matter if the things we're doing don't matter. That's going to be a quote that we're going to use for this, uh, for promoting this podcast. I love it. Let's do it. Right. It's like, and it's so true, right? Like why to speak to like my inner nerd as an engineer, right? Like we can't spend time or we shouldn't spend time optimizing something that shouldn't have been done in the first place. Right. So what does that look like? Well, In the productivity world, everyone loves to talk about tips, tricks, strategies, whatever, getting more done with less time. And that's great. But before then, we need to know two things. One, where we're spending our time. And then two, what should be filling the time once we've cleared it out, right? So I'll let everybody go to the Eat the Frogs by like Brian Tracy and all these other tips and strategies. Those are amazing. My personal favorite is something called Law of Three, which I've done a training in my Facebook group for. basically gets you... 300% 300% of the results with 30% of the actions. So we can do those things. But I think the part that often gets overlooked is where are we actually spending our time? And, and this is the tip I want to share with everybody is actually auditing where our time gets spent. Because Jeff, I believe that the biggest lie that we tell ourselves is that we don't have time, right? What we let I'll agree it, with. We're all, I mean, we're all given the same 24 hours. Mm-hmm. We all need to sleep at least, you know, six to eight hours. 
Mm-hmm. We all need, you know, and then when you start subtracting, 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 you still do have this, you know, this block of time that you can go and, you know, and make things happen more, more to the point, at, at least in my case, right. Is that we have the technology where we can do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Where, where, when I started out my business, I did, I basically started it out from the cell phone. Right. And yeah. even though I'm not a smoker, right. When I was still working in corporate, I would go outside and talk on my phone, you know, when the, you know, where the smokers are because while well, the smokers get there 15 minutes every hour to go take off, why can't I? Right. So yeah. I took advantage of that. And that was the time that I carved out in order to make that happen. Exactly. Exactly. And because it's not that we don't have time, it's that what we mean by that is that it's not worth our time. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that little distinction is massive and it's completely cool that it's not worth our time if it's actually not. But if it's not, then we lose our, our right to complain about it. Right. So what's the tip? Well, one of the first things that we do, and I know you grabbed this prior to the interview, but there's the like lead magnet or whatever you want to call it. But like one of the first things we need to do is audit our days and figure out exactly where we're spending our time. You could use something like a tracker, which is a great app for it. I think there's a free version of that, but at least for two days, everybody needs to go through their calendar, right? Or just document where they're spending their time. doesn't need to be too granular, but at least on like a 10 to 15 minute increment, because again, like we need this data before we can optimize anything, right? We have no time to plug things in if we don't know where it's going. And this, this isn't in like a shame on you type of way to everybody listening. Like don't beat yourself up for watching three hours at Netflix. Just understand that now you know where to go and get that time when you need it. Right. Maybe it's a product launcher or, you know, maybe you're building that side hustle and you just need an extra half hour a day to do some podcast editing or like whatever it may be. We need to figure out where that time is because that's the starting point. Once we've done that, then we could talk about how to figure out what the needle moving action items are. Then we could talk about how to get more out of less. Then we could talk about all these things, but it has to start with what's in our calendar. And oftentimes the stuff that's not in our calendar that we're actually still doing and not cognizant of it. Well, that's the biggest killer of our productivity. So does it make sense then to put a, uh, say, put a dollar value on the amount of time that you're, you know, that you are doing on these, let's just call them less than productive items. Like, uh, because let me give you an example, you know, like my company has an hourly rate right now, obviously mm-hmm. the rate I charge for my time is much different for the rate I charge for my VA's time, right. Yep. Or for my graphic designers time and things like that. So even though internally I have different rates of, of what things cost and how I figure out my cost benefit analysis, right. At the end of the day, you know, I have to make sure that I am, you know, cash flow positive, you know, with this For stuff sure. that I can't, I can't just give my entire life to my VA and then get a $2,000 bill from her and, and then go back and spend 20 hours of my time fixing whatever it is I didn't train her right on, you know, yeah. it, it, it can become a mess really quickly, right. From mm-hmm. a management point of view. So what would be a great way to, you know, to really quantify, you know, the net loss or the net gain of, of figuring out that productive time for you? Yeah, it's a great question. And that kind of moves more into the optimizing of what's actually getting done, right? Like we've already documented what's going on. We know where our time is being spent. And now it comes to some of these more like productivity tips and tricks, right? And 
almost a, anyone who's read Eat the Frog, a lot, every chapter is an actionable piece, right? And a lot of them accomplish similar things, but at the end of the day, there's usually a couple different buckets. And to your point, Jeff, they should be kind of, I believe they should be structured based on the dollar value of the action, right? So the first thing is the thing that gets completely outsourced, right? Maybe you manage it a little bit, but not really. It's like someone takes on the entire responsibility and you could assign these dollar values. We'll come back to it in a second. Number two is the things that you're kind of like involved with managing fairly closely, um, still getting outsourced and not really on your, uh, your timesheet, so to speak, but it's more meticulous management. And then the third is like, I have to get it done. It No one else but me can do it. And I spoke about the law of three, which is my favorite thing from Brian Tracy's Eat the Frog. Basically, that comes down to three action items that you're going to focus on. Everything else gets eliminated or delegated. But once you have those items, well, we can go back and, and kind of associate some hourly dollar value ranges. This is something I learned from my friend Cole Hatter. He runs an event called Thrive out in Vegas. Thrive, make money matter. Basically, you come up with a range of dollar amount, right? How much per hour would each of these uh, tasks cost? And then you figure out which of these columns it goes in. So maybe the thing that gets completely outsourced and you really don't touch it at all is, I don't know, anything under $20 an hour of task, right? And then maybe that middle, middle column where you're managing it pretty meticulously, like you're still involved, but you're not doing the actions. Maybe that's 21 to like... 75. And then anything above $75 an hour is like you're in your task. Like that's you. This is what you're doing. Only you could figure out, everyone listening can figure out what those dollar amounts are for you. But use something like that as a guideline of like, what am I going to do with these tasks? We've already audited our days and now we know what's going on in the business and in our lives that we're spending our time on. Okay, cool. Well, now we need to figure out what's going on with it. Is it something that I'm going to focus on? Okay. Is it above 75 or $100 an hour, cool, then maybe that that stays there. Like that's the needle mover that I am responsible for. But then we could start to figure out what else gets delegated to who it gets delegated to and, and how much we need to be involved with it. That's amazing stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, can you tell people where they can uh, where they can learn more about the results engine and how they can reach out to you directly if they'd like to contact you directly? Yeah. Uh, the best place for, for content, I guess, so to speak, is the podcast, Results Engine Podcast. So if anything we've talked about is valuable to people and, and they want to learn a little bit more, that's the place to go. We're doing, as of the time we're recording this, we're doing two interviews a week and then one solo episode that's like super action oriented, usually less than 10 minutes, like do this, get X result type of thing. So that's the place to go. And um, if you have any questions, you want to challenge anything I talked about slide into my dms on instagram i'm always i answer all my dms and happy to uh support however i can and it's Amazing. just at, at mike sesniak on instagram it's just my name you got it man we'll be sure to leave a uh, link for that in the show notes and the blog so mike thank you very much for joining me today this has been really uh this has been a really interesting conversation and i appreciate you taking the time thanks for having me jeff appreciate it <laughs> 